All right. <clears throat> Revelation chapter 1, verse 6. Where's that coming from? <laughs> Tim the Toolman Taylor's here. It says, He has made us kings and priests to his God and Father. To him be the glory, dominion forever and ever. Amen. He has made us kings and priests to his God and his Father. Who he's made our God and our Father. Amen? I'm going to continue on this. The Lord told me um, last week, I said, Lord, what do you want me to speak to the people about? And uh, he says, Teach, I want you to talk to them concerning being priests. And I talked to about the fact that m this is one of those roles that it's not like you just understand. You know, um, it, what we talk about being an eye doctor. You, you don't just go, I can't just say, Bradford, hey, I want you to be my eye doctor. And he just like looks at my eyes. Yeah, okay, yeah, it totally makes sense. Um, you need to do this, you know. W wear these glasses, this prescription, da -da -da -da, here's how you fix that. No, you have to be trained in it. You don't just go one day, I I'm an eye doctor today, you know. So that does not how it works, okay. So when God says, hey, you're kings, you're priests, and we're like, cool. What does that mean? <laughs> it's like, how do I do that? on the white throne of judgment, on the great day. And he's like, hey, I want to talk to you about how, how you're grading on how you were as a priest. It's like, uh, I was a priest? I, I read the verse. I didn't know I was, there was going to be like a, a judgment moment on whether or not I did a good job at being a priest. He's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. That, we're going to determine whether the, the role I gave you in the earth, how well you did. Okay, so we should probably be trained in it so that on that day we're like, come on, give me my reward. I nailed it. Okay, so I want you to be confident on that day. Amen? You know if we obey his word, we can be confident on that day. What does it mean to be a priest of God? So last week I talked about that. Um, the, from the very beginning, the imagery in Eden as priest and king. It was a royal priesthood. Adam and Eve were royal priests. They were given rule over the garden, right? And they got to be in fellowship with God in this ministering to him. Okay, so they, 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 this imagery is lost in, what, in the level of which Adam and Eve had right after they fall. But we still see people their children, worshiping God. They're becoming, they're priests, they're worshiping God. They make altars and they worship God. We see Noah makes an altar and he worships God. We see that the bow, right, the rainbow, God's bow, is a weapon of war which once killed everyone except Noah's family becomes a symbol of peace because of a man's worship at an altar. He didn't make that covenant and didn't declare that until after Noah came out, built an altar, and worshiped the Lord. God says the aroma lifted to him. And when he smelled it, he says, I will never again curse the earth because of man. So this is, this is a beautiful, you see it? And so we see Abraham is a priest to God. He makes altars everywhere he goes. Isaac and Jacob, they make altars unto God. Abraham, uh, Moses makes an altar. David makes an altar. These men make altars. Amen. So priests have a place of worship is the main thing I talked about. So your priest, you should have a place of worship. 
And we saw that it says in Exodus chapter 20 that everywhere his name is, he shall meet with us there. Well, he has written his name now upon you. He wants to meet with you, but I, my challenge to you is to have a place where you meet with God. To make a place that's not an ordinary place. You dedicate this place. You remove the distractions from this place. Okay? Now, I hope your whole life's consecrated in that manner. That you're not like, yeah, okay, I have this closet over here. This is holy. And then the rest of the stuff in my house is not. It's like, no, no, no. Consecrate your whole life, but have a place that you intentionally meet with God. So I talked about priests. They do several things. I want to talk, mainly last week I talked about being a priest unto God. I'm going to talk a little bit about that. But, so here's what you have to recognize. Priests represent the people to God. But to the people, they represent God to the people. So it's the people, they represent, they intercede on behalf of people unto God. And then from God, they represent God to the people. Okay, so there's two sides to being a priest. So I'm going to talk a little bit more about being a priest unto God. And then we'll spend the rest of the time talking about what it means to be a priest to other people. Okay? There's so much in the scripture. It's basically the whole Bible. Okay? So I can't do that. So I only have 45 verses. So we'll be out of here by two. So I'm joking. But, but I, 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 want, I want you to see first and foremost, we talked about it last week, that the priest makes, makes an offering of praise. Hebrews chapter 13 talks about that, they may, that he says, you should make offerings of praise unto your God. This is now the spiritual offerings we make, okay? So the Old Testament, Hebrews chapter 5 and chapter um, um, 10, talk about it's a shadow. It's a shadow of the things. Everything in the Old Testament is a shadow of things. So we, we're, not, we're not killing animals anymore, okay? I don't really want you to go home and pile some rocks in your yard, okay? I'm not asking you to do that. I'm saying have a place to meet with God. Jesus is the sacrifice that's been made once for all. No sacrifices physically, animal-wise. Please don't do that. Okay, you'll probably be doing witchcraft if you do. So um, we're not doing that anymore. But we as a people are coming before him because of a sacrifice to worship him. And that worship is a sacrifice. Amen? So in your mornings, I want to show you this. That God is actually trying to make you a new kind of priest. Jesus is a new kind of priest from the line, not of Aaron, but of Melchizedek. Okay, we know Melchizedek. We see in, in Genesis, some of you are new, you're like, I have no idea what you're talking about. This is a guy named Abram who becomes Abraham, the father of many nations. This is the man that God makes a covenant to bless all nations. Jesus comes through Abraham as the one who blesses all nations. But Abraham, who's this friend of God, has this victory, and in this victory, he's coming home, and he, he's met by a priest, but he's a royal priest. This man's not just a priest. He's a king and a priest. He's an image of what Jesus would be, okay? Some call him a Christophany, which is Christ in the Old Testament. Many believe that he might be Seth. Some believe, there's all kinds of mystery behind this man because it says he has no origins, no beginnings, and he's the king of Salem, which is Jerusalem, which means peace, Oh, don't get me into it. Don't get me into Melchizedek. Come on. So he's an imagery of Jesus. He's the prince of peace. But he's the king of Jerusalem. So um, 
But when we come to Moses, and Moses is, is given to make Aaron, his brother, the lineage of priests for Israel, um, they fail, okay? Right away, Abraham goes up to get the law from God, comes down, Aaron's leading them in idol worship. It's just like, you guys couldn't last a month? Seriously. So um, God says this, they fail over and over. In 1 Samuel chapter 2, verse 35, God says, I will raise for myself a faithful priest who shall do according to what's in my heart, in my mind, and I will build him a sure house, and he shall walk by my anointing forever. Oh, say we like that. Say he's talking about me. Because he's talking about Jesus, but you're supposed to imitate Christ. A sure priest who shall obey God and what's in his heart and in his mind and walk according to his anointing. Amen? So he says he's going to do it. He has done it through Jesus Christ, and we're supposed to imitate him. He's our model. Amen? In everything, Jesus is the model. And so we're supposed to live according to the model that Jesus gave us. So what does it mean to be a priest? Look at Jesus. What does it mean to be a priest? We look at Jesus. He's the priest who's forever making intercession on our behalf. Amen? It says in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 1, that Jesus loved us and he gave himself as a sacrifice, a sweet aroma, a sweet aroma to God. So his death on the cross becomes an aroma, a sacrifice, a worship offering unto God on your behalf. Amen? So what does it look like for us to be priests? He, it says right there in, in Ephesians chapter 5, imitate Christ in this example. As he loved you and laid himself down as a sacrifice, a sweet aroma, you should live the same. So the first thing I talked about last week is that your whole life is consecrated unto him. That's what it means. It's the, in Romans chapter 12, right? Verse 1. That, the, that we're to be a living sacrifice. That this is our reasonable act of worship. Amen? So when you wake up in the morning, I want to give us a couple just real practical things. I really feel like the Lord is like, Shh, I want them to be able to see it. I really feel like by the end of today, you're, you should be able to see what I'm talking about. Amen? Like literally what your morning would look like. How many of you said that would be helpful? Like some of you, 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 you were like me. I'm like, okay, so I'm just kind of like, uh, hey, God. And so like, love you. And um, thanks. Okay, so <laughs> I want to show you kind of some, some, some different imageries in the scriptures of, of uh, men who were priests and uh, what they said they did as priests. Amen? Okay, Psalms 134, verse 1, 2, and 3. This is what you can choose. Maybe a third of the Psalms are acts of worship, but this is just a short one. This is a whole Psalm. This is the whole thing. It's three verses. So I picked this one intentionally because of how short it was. Otherwise, you could pick one that has like you know 50 verses. But he says this, Behold, bless the Lord, all you servants of Yahweh. 
who by night stand in the house of Yahweh. Lift up your hands in the sanctuary and bless Yahweh. Yahweh, who made the heavens and the earth, bless you from Zion. Okay, so I will just use the Psalms in the morning. I'll come before him in a place of worship to my altar, to a place where I meet with God. And I'll just use the Psalms. I'll find different Psalms of worship. And oftentimes, I don't get a couple verses before I'm singing my own, okay? But I'll come before the Lord. I want to give you real practical. I don't, I don't, and then this shouldn't stay as a form, right? This will expand from there. But I'll just come before the Lord. And I literally, in my mind, I picture a place, an altar, that I'm, I'm worshiping him from. And I literally want to imagine incense arising to him. I want to make it to where when you go, you're not just thinking, how long can I be here before I can check the box and say, I did it. I don't want this to be a religious thing. Okay? So this is what I want to give you a, a, a form so you can see it. So you go, oh, I can do that. And then let life kind of flow from there. Okay? It's like, I just pictured this, like if I were to not know how to, to make a garden, someone's not going to like break down a really difficult, gar how to make a really difficult garden, okay? I've been to the one in, in, in Victoria, Bouchard, what was that one? I walk around like, who did this? Like who thought about a way for flowers to be in bloom every single month of the year and they planted them all in different patterns so that, that no matter when you go, there's this beautiful array of flowers. I'm like, this is crazy. So no one, no, that person's not trying to teach me how to be a gardener and go, this is how you do it. And I'm like, I, I'm, you lost me. So I'm not trying to do that, okay? I'm not trying to lose you. I want to give you a very simple way to be a priest. And then as you mature in this, you'll go, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, that was a starting point, okay? So I'll just come before the Lord and I'll take a psalm. Not all the Psalms are like this. Some of them are like, strike my enemy, kill him, turn him to dust. Okay, that's not what we're starting with, okay? So <laughs> we're not starting there, okay? We're starting with song, uh, 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 hymns of praise. So most of your Bibles will have at the top of it if it's a hymn of praise. So you just find one. And then I'll just put it before me and I'll just read it. But when I'm reading it, I'm, I'm, I'm saying it unto him. Oh, praise the Lord. All you who bring offerings in his house at night. I'm in his house. I am his house. Praise the Lord. And I just see myself starting a fire before him, an incense fire. And I begin to just worship the Lord, okay? Sometimes from that place, all of a sudden, I go from being in soulish places to being in spirit places, okay? All of a sudden, songs begin to arise in me, okay? So then, all of a sudden, I'm no longer using these. I'll have a new song. Sometimes it's a written song. Maybe it's a psalm that I know that I don't even have to turn to, but it begins to rise in me, and I begin to say it unto him. Not because of what I can get from him. This isn't about you. You're a priest unto God. You're filling his throne with incense. Okay? Some of you are like, oh, this is hard. Uh. Listen, there's only one who died for you. Who was a priest for you. Canceled your debt. 
by dying for you. He's worthy. He's worthy, okay? There's no question whether he's worthy. Now you're bringing an offering. He brought a worthy offering. Your life is the fruit of it, okay? Now you're going to bring an offering unto him. And so I'll just begin to declare who he is, King of kings and Lord of lords. And I'll begin to worship him, okay? It'll often see, you'll see in, this, in these psalms that they say, I lift my hands to you, okay? Many, many, many psalms. I lift my hands, okay? So there's this getting down oftentimes as a symbol of surrender, as submission unto the one who's in a higher position than you. And you get low before and lift hands. Thank you, thank you, thank you, okay? And I just want you to be able to see this incense in your praise. Sometimes in that place, if I don't feel, and I talked about this last week, I don't feel spiritual, all right? I'll provoke myself by praying in the spirit. Or worshiping in the spirit. Sometimes I have to provoke myself by praying in the spirit. And then I can go into worshiping in the spirit. It's different. Okay? So I can go, and all of a sudden my, my, my spirit man begins to like, let's go. And then from there I can begin to worship. The worship's from the spirit. True worship is from the spirit. It's not from the carnal. Okay? But you can start in the carnal and provoke the spirit. Okay? The soul. When I say carnal, I mean soulish places. You can start there. By reading the scriptures and meditating on it, meditations in the mind, it'll provoke the spirit. Okay? But I want to get to the spirit. The soul, I want to get past it. Okay? That's not where we, do. we commune with God in spirit. Okay? So I'm trying to get past soulish places and into the spirit. The quickest way I know how, you might have a better way, the quickest way I know how is through praying in the spirit and meditating on him. Okay? By, 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 Shutting off. Sometimes I go outside. This morning I was outside. Four something in the morning, I'm outside. I got sweater on, it's cold. Then I try to get quiet, and all I hear is, I was like, son of a gun. I got eagles, I've got all kinds of like, someone's being eaten right now. So. <laughs> So I was like, all right, this isn't working. I can't get quiet. If I'm going to pray in the Spirit, it's fine. But I'm hearing all kinds of noise the second I try to get quiet. It's not working for me, okay? So I go. My kids happen to be sleeping in the living room because they had a friend over. Um, so I go into one of my son's room. Katie's getting ready in the other room. I need, a, I need a place, okay? So I go into my son's room. It's a good place to make an altar anyways, right? So <laughs> it's like, I'm having a drink. It's amazing, God. I'm like, yeah, you're welcome. So... So I go in there and I begin to worship the Lord. Shut the door, it's quiet, and I can now get quiet. Okay, so I'm looking for a quiet place where I can just be with him. It's hard. I'm just trying to give you real practical stuff. You're a priest unto God. You're going to make worship to him. When you get to that place of spirit on spirit, I really don't want a lot of noise. I want to be able by my spirit to discern his spirit. Okay, the, the way I'm here on the stage and all of a sudden I go, someone's here and something with kids and da 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 and I just go, no one said anything, but I think it's you. You know, it's like, that's the spirit. And I've, I have to learn how to hear the spirit. 
and I have to learn how to know his movings. So I want, I want to teach you this, is that when you're worshiping, you have to be able to discern the carnal, right? The part that's like, coffee. That part, right? And the part that's like, king of kings and lord of lords. And I'm like, oh, king of kings, lord of lords, okay? I'm knowing which part is carnal and which part is spirit, okay? So you have to learn how to quiet yourself and not and differ, dip, be, dip, know the difference between your soul and your spirit, okay? So I'm worshiping him there. I'll know, you'll feel the difference how many of you know the difference in here when the, sh when the room shifts? We're like singing is great, and all of a sudden it's like, it just got deep. It just went, we're like, just got a party, just happened. But something shifted in the spirit, and you, no one has to tell you it's happening. You're like, am I about to float away? You know, something's happening, right? Okay, that's the spirit. You're discerning the spirit. So when you're in your own place of worship, sometimes it's hard, and you're just digging a well. Okay, it's okay to dig a well. Some of you get discouraged. Nothing. He's not here. He doesn't hear me. Just dig, just dig a well, okay? Be encouraged. Remind yourself what the truth is. He'll never leave you nor forsake you. He's with you always, even to the end. So you just dig a well with him. Hey, you're king of kings and lord of lords. The one who rides the clouds. You just begin to just tell him who he is and why you just think he's worthy of worship. Okay? You just do that. Sometimes the well breaks forth and you're just like... You just go over, just enjoy, okay? He's there, okay? But he's already there. The only difference is your awareness of him. He's always there, okay? So when, even when we say, we welcome you here, he's already here, okay? The difference is your awareness. So I'm always saying, just make yourself aware, okay? That's what we're saying. All right. Proverbs 15. I want to show you that it says this in verse 8. It says, The sacrifice of the wicked is an abomination to Yahweh, but the prayers of the upright is his delight. So some of you are like, oh, I'm just praying, but you know, I don't think he listens. It's you're his delight. When you're praying, he's like, oh. I think about my kids when they, when they say something nice to, to each other or whatever. I'm just like. <laughs> when my wife says something nice, just, I can just feel her affection through her words. Or she does something that just is like, ah, oh, you thought about me. Okay. God's saying when you're praying, he's like, oh, just touches him. His heart is moved. So he's not, he's not trying to keep his, he's not doing this to your prayers. He's not trying to. Now the scripture does say, and I'm going to get to in a bit why he might do that. And it's real easy. Okay. It's real easy to unplug the ears of the Lord. Okay. He talks about the way you treat your wife. So some of your prayers are hindered because of how you treat your wife. That's Peter says that he's pulling that from Malachi. Okay. So repent, you old sinner, and treat your wife with kindness and love. Okay? Wives, same thing. How you treat your husbands, your children, right? how, you, how you treat people. If you're supposed to be his priest, the Bible gives us very clearly priests were to prepare to come into the sanctuary. 
Okay, I'm going to talk about that in a little bit, but just says that when we come in rightly, he says our prayers, oh, they're his delight. So when you're going, shifting from that place of praise into prayer, one of the main functions of a priest is intercession. So first, sacrifice, worship, praise. Then we shift to prayer and intercession. This is the part where we're bringing stuff before God, who's this wonderful judge. Right? Judges can be good. If you're looking for justice and you know the case should fall in your favor, you're like, mm, meet with a judge, getting justice today. Okay, so it's not a negative thing. You're like, yeah, he's going to serve in my favor. Okay, especially because the judge is your dad. <laughs> we like that. Psalm 141, verse 1. Now, 141 is just awesome, all the Psalms, but Psalm 141 is just awesome. And he says this, I cry out to you, make haste to me. Give ear to my voice when I cry to you. Let my prayers be set before you as incense. And he says, the lifting up of my hands as an evening sacrifice. So what you see is, is when you read this, you'll see there's morning sacrifice and there's evening sacrifice. So there's, there's, there's worship in the morning and there's worship in the evening. Now some of you are like, so spiritual. I worship all day long. I'm glad, praise God. So, but I'm just, I'm just telling you, you, you have many, many people have many issues in their lives and they want a pastor to counsel them, a prophet to prophesy for them, right? An apostle to lay fire on them, a teacher to instruct them. Let me just instruct you as a teacher right now. Many of your issues are just, uh, is, is, is your, your worship's in the wrong direction. It's towards the wrong things. Okay, so in the mission house, uh, the uh, a ministry in, 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 in Bremerton, that area, uh, they talk about you don't have a drug addiction, you have a worship problem. You don't have a drug problem, you have a worship problem. You're just putting your worship in the wrong direction. And it's so true, okay? Now, there's demons and all kinds of other stuff because of your worship problem that keep you bound, but the main issue was is that you were worshiping in the wrong direction. You were worshiping your job, you were worshiping your iPhone and your Facebook and your Instagram and your YouTube and your whatever, your shows. So... You gave your affection to those things. And I know, right, we can look at your screen time. We didn't have 15 minutes for worshiping and 15 minutes for prayer, but um, it says that we spent two hours and 45 minutes on Facebook. It's like, you know, God knows the record of your, fa your, your screen time too, right? So it's like white, white throne of judgment. He's like, let's just take a quick look at this. You know, <laughs> opens up your settings. <laughs> the book of your life. He's like, let's just see how much time you spent on, um, on TV and on your phone. And let's just look how much time you spent in prayer and in worship and service to the house of God. Let's see what you worship most. 
So repent, y'all sinners. So uh, me, me too. Me too. This isn't like a, you know, it's like we need to keep a pulse on this so that we can live rightly before him. I just want him. This life is so short. Once you get, you know, you get to a certain point, you're like, oh, this is really short. This is going really fast and it just speeds up, doesn't it? So it's like when you're a kid, by the time you turn 13, you're like, I'm so old. I've lived so long. I know so much. <laughs> and then 13 years after that, you're like, well, how did I turn 26? How did that happen? And then, 30, and, then, and, then four, and then you're like, whoa, whoa, slow down. Okay, so you're going to be before the white throne in no time. And then you're going to enter into a wonderful eternity. But how do you live now? Okay, and all the hell and all the stuff you experience now is, is often because your gaze isn't towards heaven and towards the prince of heaven. Amen? All right. I only have a little bit. Let me move quicker. Okay, so I talked about, and I just really briefly, okay? So, so, so I want you to see we, we're going to have a place we go before the Lord. We're going to start with praise and worship, just lifting your voice to him, tongues, whatever you want. Then we're going to go to prayer, okay? Lifting up intercession before the Lord, okay? This is my habit, okay? I want you to see that, that um, I pray for my family every day, okay? My, my, my wife and my children every day, okay? I don't know that my children have ever had a heartbeat and I haven't prayed for them that day, okay? I pray for my children every day. By name, every day. I'm serious. You ask my wife. I pray for my children every single day. Okay? <laughs> I'm serious about this. Parents, if you're not praying for your children, I just, and I, I can't even understand it. I would like to try to get in there and have compassion. I don't understand it. Your kids need God. You need God, but your kids need God, okay? I pray for them every single day. Every day I'm bringing them before the Lord. Okay, I want to give you a, a, just a quick, this isn't even necessarily the full model now for me, but meaning it helped me in the beginning, okay? You might want to write this down. So when I pray for my children, even the priestly blessing from numbers is a good model for prayer for your children or your spouse, okay? It's a starting point. Just as the Lord's Prayer, you can, you can use it to start as like a framework. And then all of a sudden, like eight hours later, you're still praying the Lord's Prayer because you're like, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. And then all of a sudden, you're lost. Okay? And then you can go through that and spend hours there. The numbers, in, in, in Numbers chapter six, we get this, this gem, the only prayer in the Old Testament that God writes and he commands Moses to command the priests to pray it over the people. And it's a prayer of blessing. So once you see this, we worship the Lord, we make intercession, and we bless. This is what priests do. Those are the three main things they do. They tend the house of the Lord. That's what you do by serving here. You tend the house of the Lord. They make intercession, they pray, and they make blessing. Okay? So, but the prayer of blessing is a great prayer of intercession as well. You can use it as a framework. He says, may the Lord keep you. 
May the Lord bless you and may the Lord keep you. Blessing and protection. Okay, so this is the protection framework. Okay, he says may keep means to protect. I grew up, I have some brothers, and if I was with my brothers, my older brothers, I wasn't worried about nothing. I wasn't. They'll stab you like they're crazy. So I wasn't dead serious. I've been stabbed by them. So it's like, <laughs> it's not a joke. So, Lord, heal my heart. So <laughs> the wounds are healed, but so, so I was safe if I was with them. So this is protection. It's just like, I'm way safer with Yahweh. So my, my how many know as parents, you, you're not there. You, so many things can happen. So you can, you, Yahweh's there. So when I bring my kids before the Lord, I say, Lord, I cover them in the blood of Jesus and I surround them in the fire of God as a hedge. We see this term in Job. When Satan asks, if, if, when, when, when Yahweh says, well, have you seen my servant? He says, yeah, but you're a hedge around him. No, I can't do, no one can do anything because you protect him. You're a hedge to him. You're a fence. You, no one can get to, so of course he loves you and worships you and does what's right. So I say, Lord, be a hedge of fire around my children today. We see um, a prayer like that also in the Lord's Prayer. Don't lead us into temptation, but deliver us from evil. So Jesus is giving us that you should pray this. We see David, right? He says, let my enemies, every trap they've set for me, let them fall in that trap themselves. David's praying this. I remember I first got saved. I was like, I don't know how I can pray these. These are like... I was really, I was like, this guy's like, what? I had this tenderness of Jesus, and David's like, I ask that you would crush my enemy's bones to dust. I'm like, this is violent. Like, who is this guy? I couldn't pray those prayers. But then when I realized now it's a spiritual thing, I'm like, oh, crush my enemies. (laughs) Let Satan be under my feet. Let every trap the witches or warlocks or devils have set for my children, may they themselves and their children fall into them. This is what David's saying. I'm like, oh, man. But when you have a witch in pursuit, and it's a real deal, I work in Africa, even here, it's real. Once you become aware that they are literally evil and working evil against you, and no matter how much you preach the gospel, they're like, no, I work for Satan. I know who Jesus is. And I'm against him. It's like, okay, let fire be upon them. I'm like, I'm like, okay. And did you see this? Joe makes sacrifice for his children. They, have a, they had, it says, times for their feastings and their parties. And in the morning, Job would get up and pray and make offerings on behalf of his children. Maybe that they, in their drunken, in their party, they cursed God in their hearts and he makes sacrifice for them. Okay, so we... Lift our children and our spouse up before the Lord. We, prote- we cover them. We ask the Lord to be his protection. I ask the Lord to give grace to them. Grace empowers. These are prayers that I pray. God, give them more grace. You see De- uh, uh, Saul's prayer, Paul's prayer for um, the churches. He's asking for grace. Always ask for grace. Always ask for grace. Why? Grace empowers. Grace empowers you. It's power unto you. God's grace empowers you to do what only you could do with God's help. So I was like, my kids need help. God, give them grace. 
in this season. Lift him up with your grace. I ask for his mercy to draw him. You know, it's the goodness of God that draws man into repentance. You know, that mercy means goodness. It's the goodness, it's the mercy of God that draws men, keeps them before him. So I say, Lord, let your mercy draw them before you. Let, let, let it always draw them into a place of awareness of their need for you. Let the fear of the Lord be upon them. I pray that the fear of the Lord, I always pray the fear of the Lord upon my children. In my intercession for my family, oh, let the fear of the Lord be upon them. Let it be upon my wife, let it be upon me, let it be upon my children. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. He shares his covenant with those who fear him. I'm like, let the fear of the Lord be upon this nation. Let the fear of the Lord be upon the disciples. Let the fear of the Lord be upon Sozo Church. Let the fear of the Lord be upon my children. Amen? So I pray intercession of the fear of the Lord. And I ask for his love to fill their hearts and his peace to be upon them. Amen? So this is like a, a, an imagery of, of, of Numbers chapter 6 where he says, may your face be upon them. May you be gracious to them. Give them your grace. Lead them by your spirit. He says, by your countenance, by your spirit, would you lead them and fill them with your peace. So I pray this for my children. This is the intercession. Now, I can use that as a framework Then all of a sudden I'm lost in intercession because the spirit begins to tell me exactly what they need. Okay, so this is just a framework as a priest to intercede on behalf of my family. You see that this is what um, Job did. We see this is what God tells the father of the house, each house in Israel on the Exodus, cover their doorposts with blood. Only the father could do it. The father's the one that has to do it. But the whole house was covered in protection. Okay? So you guys need to be praying for your family. Death could not touch their home. Death could not touch their home. Amen? You, 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 you guys hear of a guy named John Ramirez? He was a, 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 a priest in the, in, in the Church of Satan and got saved. And he's like, man, we would go. You, Satan himself would come to me and give me assignment. A block. I want you to curse these people on this block. And he was like, okay. He'd astral project, go around into each home and curse the home and begin to basically make a demonic altar in that house and begin to curse the marriage, curse the children. And he'd go from house to house each night. That's what he would do. And he said, but certain houses I could not enter. He says, there was fire around them. He said, no matter what I did, I could not enter. He says, I knew who the real Christians were because I couldn't enter their homes. There are many people who had crosses in those places. And we walk right in. Why? Because they have all they, they live according to the world still. And they claim Christ. You have to consecrate yourself. But this is a real deal. You, you're dealing with sickness, you're dealing with in, in infirmity, you're dealing with setback, you're dealing with contention in your home, all those issues. The the devil, the Jesus gives a parable, he comes and sows terrors at night telling you to pray for your home before you go to sleep. He comes to my house. He's going to find fire. Okay. One of the priestly jobs is to teach, to instruct. Leviticus chapter 10, verse 9. He tells them, verse 8, he says, Speak this unto Aaron. Do not drink or be intoxicated. He says, okay, when you, if you drink wine, don't be intoxicated. 
lest you enter my tabernacle and die. Is this a statue to you forever? He says that they may distinguish between the holy and unholy and the clean and unclean. Verse 11, he says that you may teach the children of Israel all the statutes which the Lord has spoken to you. Okay, so, but the imagery is, is by the way they live. We teach, but we instruct by how we live. Okay? The instruction is, is that our lives should be a model of what it means to be a priest to God. The way you live should be able to be seen and go, that person is a priest of God. Look how they love people. Look how they treat people. Okay, Ephesians chapter 5. I want to just use this and read through this and then I'm going to pray and, and, and bless you. It's my job to teach my children what's true, what's, what's a lie, what's right, what's wrong, what's clean, what's unclean, what pleases the Lord. I have to teach them. I'm a priest into my house. You're a priest to your house. My wife, when we met, she was saved before me, so she knew more of the word than I knew. But I had to begin to eat of the bread of life and spend time with the Lord. It wasn't long before the, the word of God was quickening in me to know the truth in moments of our insurance went up and all of a sudden it's like, oh, we, oh. So what, what's wrong? We don't have the money. Huh, huh, huh. Is God able? So it's like the word of God is there to say, no, this isn't something we'd be anxious about. Lord, we ask that you would correct this and bring our, our, our insurance down to a reasonable price and keep Katie from getting in more car accidents. Shakarata. <laughs> <laughs> She was in like three accidents like within a year of me knowing her. I was like, when I met her, I was like, you don't know how to drive. She's like, yeah, I do. I was like, no, you don't. I was like, let me teach you. She's like, I know how to drive. I'm fine. It's like three accidents later. She's like, can you help me drive? (laughs) Yes, I will. Because I have to marry you and our insurance is $400 a month. So she knows how to drive now. So the, I, I'm like, I'm not worried about it. We pray. She calls me back. She says, yeah, I just got this thing. And it says they made a mistake. Da, 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 it, it dropped. And I said, yeah, I know. I know how prayer works. She, wow. That was how we were. But it didn't take long before I had to be the one who led the house in that manner according to the word. Not moved by the things that were presented to us. But stood as a pillar, a priest of my home to say, no. The world's not going to shake me. I want to be rooted in his word. So whatever comes, I don't shake. I'm not shaking. I got deep roots. Amen? And then my family is brought up to that place of security. I have to teach and instruct. So men, your wife might be today more spiritually a leader than you, but they ought not be so in the future. God has called you as the head of your house Time to get in some Bible studies, time to be taught, time to be instructed, time to pray, time to, okay? I pursued the Lord. I, she, she was, 
I had to ask questions. I humbled myself and asked questions, asked questions, but that pursuit continued until that was the position that I held. Okay, so he might give grace for her for a season to be that, but I, it was my role and it was my job to be that role. Okay, let's look at it real quick. Man, we did, time goes so fast. He says, imitate God, dear children. Walk in love as also Christ has loved us and given himself. I want you to see the, sacri- the priestly thing he did. He gave himself for us an offering, a sacrifice to God, a sweet-smelling aroma. Jesus was a priest, and he laid his life down as an offering for you. And he says, in the same way, you should live. So as a priest unto the world, unto man, he's calling you to love those around you. Just like Christ loved you. Jesus says this, this is my command. Love as I have loved you. No greater love is when one lays his life down for a friend. I no longer call you servants. I call you friends. He's going to the cross. He's getting ready to lay his life down. Now, we're supposed to live as a living sacrifice to love others. I want you to see what he says next, though. He says, he says, fornication and all uncleanliness or covetousness, things that should not be named among you as, um, as, is not, as is fitting for the saints, neither filthiness nor foolish talk or coarse joking or gesturing, these things are not fitting, but rather giving thanks. Do you see the imagery? Priests, to be priests, have to put the right garments on. He's like, here's the things you got to take off. You want to be, gar- be a priest? Filthy, coarse joking. Those things have to go. So I want you to see this, this section as a priest getting ready to be a priest. He's like, be a priest. Make sacrifice. Here's the sacrifice. Love as I have loved you. You want the right garments on? Get rid of your anger. Get rid of your coarse joking. Get rid of of lustful things. Get rid of pride. Get rid of, get rid of these things. They can't be in your life and you be the priest God's called you to be. Okay? So he goes through these things that you got to get rid of. He says, walk in the light. He says, "Let let, let the light expose the darkness. He talks about in verse 18, do not be drunken with wine. What did we just read? The priest, don't be drunken with wine, but show yourself, show what's holy, show what's clean by the way you live. So teach, but by how you live. He says, you're going to speak to one another. He says, do it with psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, singing with melody in your hearts to the Lord, giving thanks always. So this is what that imagery is. Then he goes on to Ephesians 6. And he's like, yeah, priestly garments look like armor. (laughs) And he goes in. He says, we have a war. So last week I talked about um, godly altars. There's demonic altars. And and, And as priests, we should be able to tear them down, recognize them and tear them down. We see this in 1 Kings. We have a prophet that shows up, and a king is making sacrifice on the altar of Bethel. We read it last week. 
Abraham made sacrifice there. Jacob made sacrifice there. And now Solomon's son is making sacrifice there. The great-grandchild, the, the, these, these, these kings have made sacrifice there. Even Elijah says, they've torn down all your altars. I'm the last prophet left. But before that, there was a king making an offering, a demonic offering on an altar of God. So now it's a, in a sense that altar is, is corrupted. And the prophet comes and says, altar, altar. And he speaks against the altar. And he says, as a sign to the word I've given you, this altar shall be destroyed this very day. And it says, it split. The, guy, the guy points at the, the, the prophet to, hey, seize him. And it says his, his hand goes crippled and he can't pull it back in. And he's like, oh, prophet, help me. And the altar falls apart. There's demonic altars. And the prophet, you're called to be a prophet, priest, and a king. And a prophet knows how to tear down demonic altars. So that's what I'm saying. In your prayer for your kids, you might recognize something speaking against your family. And you begin to war. He says, put on the full armor, okay? Powers, thrones, dominions. These are your real enemies, not people. I have people all the time, all the time, that say or do stuff towards me, my children, disciples, you guys. And I don't make that person my enemy. Okay, whether they're a witch or a warlock. But I know the enemy who's, who's trying to work through them. And I begin to bind. I begin to tear down the demonic altars that are speaking. Okay, if God's altar speaks, demonic altars speak. They're speaking against. We just say we tear down every demonic altar. Go ahead and say that with me. I tear down every demonic altar, speaking against my family, speaking against my marriage, speaking against my children. I tear them down now in the name of Jesus. Let them be silent. They shall not speak against me in Jesus' name. All right. You can go through that whole psalm. I just wanted to give you very simply a practical. Now, you, only you know whether or not last week's message provoked you to set up a place and a time to be with the Lord. I, I can't be there. I, want, I wish I could. Just I, You know, this morning, it took me seven different times to wake up my kids. So I said, don't go to bed late. You know, just wake up. I took their blankets away shake this is what children need okay this isn't what you need that's what children need don't be a child in that way God wants us to be innocent like a child in our hearts but not in our disciplines okay we're to, we're to, to discern what pleases the Lord do those things be a priest unto God. Make a place, set a time, begin to worship, begin to intercede, begin to tear down things that should be torn down and begin to build up things that should be built up. Amen? Begin to teach and instruct according to the way you live so that there's a world that gets to see Jesus through your priestly offerings. Amen? This is what Paul says in Romans 15. He says that the Gentiles are an offering unto the Lord. His ministry of the gospel, he says, is an offering. 
So when we preach the gospel, we're being priests. When we heal the sick, we're being priests. Okay? So you're a priest to God. Would you stand? I want to bless you as priests. I teach the disciples to have time with their kids, to worship the Lord together. Get them together, you know? My kids, at night, we get together, we grab hands, and we begin to shakaratata. It's always funny when they have friends over. The friends are like, what are we doing? My, kid, my kids just jump in. Shakarabata etaa. And they're like, shakarabata e. So I, I instruct them on how to, to pray in the spirit. And then we begin to, to pro proclaim together, worship together, proclaim together, declaration together, okay? So if I say to my kids, we'll be driving, I'll say, pray in the spirit. And my kids just stop whatever they're doing. I'm like, louder, lower, louder, instruct your children like let's worship the Lord so teach your children okay your priest to your household men your priest to your wife it says he washes his wife with the word makes her clean okay husbands you're to wash with the word how you treat your spouse is an imagery of how you love God the way you love your wife is how you really love God And how you love people is how you love God. And all that stuff that comes out ah, is really still in there. And it needs to be brought out. That means your soul is more alive than your spirit. And it means you're lacking in your spiritual disciplines as a priest unto God. Okay? I know when I'm having one of those days that either things are raging against me or I have just lacked in my spiritual disciplines and my soul is more awake than my spirit. Okay? Can't make it any easier than that. Lift up your hands. Lord, bless your people. Keep your people. Make your face shine upon your people. Be gracious to your people. Lead them by your spirit. Fill them with your peace. Teach them by your spirit how to be priests to, to you, to their family, and to the world. I pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.